Next Chapter Podcast. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Join Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wayne, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. The 500. The 500. J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition So it ain't nothing to new Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend The king of these for Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end With my man J.A.M. On the 500 Talking the 500 until the end. Bow, down, 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 down. Well, I've been working kind of ski, baba dee, baba doo, and every day is oh so true. Put on a wooden shoe and give it to the crew and Baba. You know, I don't know any of the words, people. Fleece Army! Is anybody else kind of feeling that, you know, Jackson Brown's being very liberal with giving out songs to Eagles? We talked about this one already. It's Take It Easy by the Eagles. Can't call them the Eagles. By Eagles from the debut. It's from 1972. It's also number 368 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. That's me. Uh, welcome to the only podcast where a comedian is going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums and he's got a very, very knowledgeable Jewish man named Morty who will fill you in because I don't know shit. Uh, hey guys, join our Patreon because I need money. I have been on the phone with EDD all fucking day. Did it work out in my advantage? We will find out at midnight. But for $5 a month or more, patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. You get episodes the day before. You get a bunch of stuff, man. You get a, a ask me anything or I don't even know what they are, but... Just sign up for it, guys. We need your money. I am in New York City. Thank you to everybody that came out to the uh, House of Comedy in Arizona. I can't thank you guys enough. Shows were great. I had a blast. But I'll shout everybody out next week. Uh, I'm in New York City. So, guys, catch me at The Stand every single night uh, the rest of this month. Catch me at The Cellar, New York Comedy Club. If you're in New York, I'm there. And then don't forget, the last weekend in June, I will be at the St. Louis Funny Bone, June 24th 
through the 27th and then uh, August 5th through the 7th I will be at the DC Comedy Loft and then Edmonton a whole bunch of shows man check my website joshadammyers.com for tickets support support your boy everybody alright Eagles let's talk about them Eagles are one of those bands that you just hear throughout life you don't know if you love them or not but you you just feel them because they are the soundtrack to the 70s I think they're arguably one of the biggest bands of the 70s and this was my first rodeo with this band so I'm not gonna lie it was a good one Uh, and my guest today has incredible experiences with this record and uh, she's one of the funniest people working in stand-up comedy today the one and only Jessica Curson. her special Talking to Myself is on Comedy Central it was executive produced by our boy Bill Burr she's been on Crashing on HBO she is one of the funniest comedians working today and she also has a documentary on FX called Hysterical which is about the landscape of women in stand-up comedy today And and it's brilliant also her podcast Relatively Sane and Disgusting Hawk. Uh, check them out. They are incredible. Rate, review, and most importantly, why don't you subscribe to the 500 and listen free on all platforms. And if you're listening on Apple, leave a five-star rating and a review because there have been some negative ones up there because people don't think that I know what I'm doing. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan, y'all. He is batshit. Every day that the the episode comes out, the webisode comes out, he uh, he texts me and he's like, where's the uh, where's the cover? Where's the uh, promo material? I need it. He's batshit. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, nothing left to say, but, well, uh, here we go with number three, six to eight, with Eagles by Eagles and Spiegels. Scootly doodly bootly, here is the episode, and it's starting now. What's up, Fleece Army? Before we get into this episode, I want to tell you about our incredible sponsor, Sunset Lake CBD. All right, CBD's everywhere. It's a new Chipotle. It's a new Poke Bowl. It's COVID. It is everywhere. And a lot of companies are going to tell you about their CBD and how great it is. It's all bullshit. We are working with one of the best CBD companies in the game, Sunset Lake CBD. Well, you want to know their history? Well, they were a farm that made dairy for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. If you ever had Chubby Hubby ice cream, it might be the greatest ice cream in the world. Little piece of pretzel. Well, why do I sound like Sebastian? Little piece of pretzel. Knee brace. Knee brace. Oh, mommy. It's it's a piece of pretzel, a little bit of peanut butter, a little bit of fudge. It is delish. And uh, I'm not promoting that. I'm promoting the CBD. If they made, if Sunset Lake CBD made a CBD chubby hubby, man, oh, man, a Shevitz, it would be fucking grand, man. This company started with a dairy farm making dairy for Ben and Jerry's. And then in 2018, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. And I know for a fact it's some of the best CBD out there because they sent me a box of goodies and everything I've tried has been incredible. They have pre-rolls, perfectly rolled joints. Smoke them, don't get too stoned. Just like real chilled. Hemp cigars, if you like blunts, same thing applies. Hemp flour, you want to take a bong hit, wake your day up with a little bit of scoodly, it's incredible. They got tinctures that I give to myself and to my dog that takes all our anxiety away. They have gummies that are so delicious you want to eat more than one, almost like little Sour Patch Kids that are bomb. And they have coffee with CBD in it to wake you up, yet calm you down. If you've got 
Stress, aches, and pains, let me tell you, Sunset Lake CBD is for you. It will save you money by shipping high-quality CBD products directly from their farm to your door. And you want a discount? How about this? If you use promo code JAM500, that's jam five zero zero. We'll give you 20% off all products. So go to sunsetlakecbd.com. Use promo code JAM500 for 20% off all products. And now, a bag to the bag. That was at Canner's last name, Morty. Um... <laughs> Mishpucha. The whole uh, I feel like we, we have all Jews except for one very Christian dude working the soundboard who used to go to CDC and go to overnights. And I remember one time we egged your your like Christian. Uh, <laughs> me, Isn't Eric, he half like, Jewish? No, he's so Poor. not. Uh, uh, but this is perfect because it's Yantif and Purim and all of the holidays. And the most Jewish band in the world is Eagles. So... <laughs> Take me, take me through your history with this incredible band. I, uh, I grew up on the Eagles. I mean, that was the, the Eagles is one of my favorite bands. I used to, God, get so high and just sit and listen to them with my friends. I mean, literally every day after school and every weekend, we would just sit around with each other in a room and not talk, my friends and I, and just pass around a bong and play the Eagles and just listen to the music and his voice was so soothing to me. You know, I was just listening to it recently again because I knew I was doing the podcast and I don't get a lot of time, unfortunately, lately to like sit and listen to music for an hour at a time. But it, it's it's so relaxing to me. Uh, Don Henley's voice just so like peaceful. I, I, I love the music. I love the songwriting. I, I just... I, I grew up with it. It's like so much a part of my childhood. Can I ask you a question? This no. go Okay. All right. That's the end of the podcast, everybody. Thank you so much. Bye. Um, where, did it, this go around? Did you get high? No, I don't get high anymore. God. I don't do anything. I know. <laughs> I knew that, Marty. I knew it. The minute we started talking, I knew you didn't get high either. So, so, all right. So what about this go around? Like, you know, like you, you said, I mean, did you hear things you didn't hear before? Did it did it hit you a little differently? Because how old were you the first time you, you heard is this record? Well, yes, of course it was different because I wasn't obliterated. So I think it would have, it, it sounded great and it was relaxing, but I think it would have sounded better if I with 72 bong hits in. You know, I think I would have enjoyed it even more. But um, I started listening to them when I was like 13, 14, you know, that young, I, that's when I started getting high. And I really like, I, I grew up in this music too. Cause this is what my parents listened to. And I used to go to concert. Like my first concert was bread. I know that's crazy. Right. Yeah. So I went to like all of these concerts. When I was young. I grew up going to this place called the Berkshires in Massachusetts to a place called Tanglewood, where we would go to outdoor concerts. And we would literally, you know, we would run around with no clothes on the kids. It was very hippie-ish. Like my dad had sideburns and wore clogs and my mom was be topless. And um, she still is. She was like that. You know, we went to a restaurant the other day and she had no top. I'm like, mom, it's not a concert. You know, we're at the diner. But um, Josh, why aren't you laughing? Because I'm still thinking about how you insulted people with sideburns and clogs. That's what I'm wearing right now. No, That's I what loved I'm wearing it. Right. I'm not. I'm now. not insulting it. I think it's amazing. I loved 
growing up with that. That was like, I'm so proud of that was my childhood. We I just lost all our Dutch, all our Dutch werewolves just tuned out. <laughs> no, I loved growing up within that environment. And I, I grew up on this, on, on the Eagles. My parents listened to them. And then when I got to the age of like, really understanding it and understanding the lyrics and, and being able to really appreciate the music. I just, I yeah. loved it. All right. Well, this for me is my first go round with a full Eagles record. Uh, it's exactly what I expected. Just laid back California rock. I don't even know if I would call it right. There's a couple rock songs on here. You know what I mean? There's a couple yeah. uh, as, uh, as Morty would call them like driving beats and, and, uh, and some guitar work. So it's released on June 1st of 1972 on Asylum Records and produced by Glenn Johns. It's the debut album from the American country folk rock, folk rock and roll band. Uh, we already covered a lot of this in Alan Tudyk's Don Henley episode, so I'm just going to catch you up. So in 1970, Gilmer, Texas drummer and vocalist Don Henley was brought to L.A. with his band Shiloh to be produced by fellow Texan Kenny Rogers for a local independent record label. It was there that he met Detroit, Michigan guitarist and vocalist Glenn Fry, who had previously played with Bob Seger and was also on Shiloh's record label as a duo with future Eagles collaborator J.D. Souther called Long Branch Penny Whistle. So both bands break up in the spring of 71. <laughs> Henley and Fry, they're hired to play star, in country. By the way, Long Branch Penny Whistle, he's the best, it is. dude. He's, favorite when he had Long a mustache that went is... out like this and a schmeckle <laughs> like this. He's got Tim, Mandingo, John Holmes, Long Branch Penny Whistle. Put that yeah. on a t-shirt. Yeah. Penny Whistle. So, uh, so both bands break up. In the spring of 71, Henley and Fry were hired to play in country rock rising star and troubadour darling Linda Ronstadt's backup band. So they're on the road. Glenn and Don, they, they spend time together. They realize they can have a solid songwriting partnership and maybe put a band together. They tell Linda about it. And then she actually introduces them to Bernie. So by summer, Linda's band came to include Minneapolis, Minnesota string multi-instrumentalist and vocalist Bernie Ledden and Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, the uh, you know hotbed of Judaism, bassist vocalist Randy Meisner, who'd both been playing around Los Angeles since the 60s. Bernie was previously in the past 500 artists, Graham Parsons band, the Flying Burrito Brothers, as well as Dillard and Clark. And Randy had been in Poco and then Rick Nelson's Stone Canyon band. So their country rock credentials were bonafide. Now, although the four of them only played one show with Ronstadt, when they got back to LA, they all recorded on her next album. The album was a bomb, but it set in motion the four musicians to form the band with her urging and approval. After the unnamed new group's directive, uh, I'm sorry, about the unnamed new group's directive, Henley recalled, we had four singers. We wanted to create material that would showcase each of the band members' strengths. Our main goal at the beginning was to write good, memorable songs, make albums that had little or no filler that were consistent from beginning to end in terms of songwriting and production. They got signed by former former William Morris agent David Geffen and Elliot, Rob, Elliot Roberts to this new Asylum Records label. And after some time they to develop, they go to England and they record with legendary British producer Glenn Johns. Now, Don and Glenn, as I said, or as I'm going to say, Don and Glenn wanted a rougher rock and roll record. And Glenn was really pushing for this acoustic country rock thing. The album comes out. It's great. It's got three hit singles. They go on to make five more studio albums. They tour worldwide, have several personnel changes. They become the most successful American act in the 70s. They break up. They get back together. They put out another studio album. They tour, become one of the most successful and profitable acts of the teens. They've sold over 
200 million records. They've had five number one singles, six number one albums, were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 98. They've won six Grammys, had many other accolades, including the best-selling album of the century for their greatest hit, 71 to 75. They were still touring when tragically in 2016, Fry died at 67 from complications due to a host of health issues that leaves Henley as the only lone survival of the original band to carry on the legacy and the saga. And although he vowed for the band to never play live again, that changed when Glenn's son Deacon came on board and they are likely going to pick up again, probably this, this year or next year. So if you guys are out there, you can go see the literal most successful band of the seventies and pretty much the most successful American band of all time. Good for them. But but there is so much stuff on this that I enjoyed besides the hits. Because, of course, I mean, even just the way it opens. Because for time, let's just, let's just dive right into this. So it opens with Take It Easy. This first single went to number 12. Uh, go ahead and just play the best part of this, man, because it's, it's a goodie. We may lose and we may win, but we will never be here again. So open up my climb. So we've already covered this song on uh, Jackson Brown's record because I don't know if you know this, uh, Jessica, but Jackson Brown lived in a duplex under Glenn Fry and his roommate, the singer-songwriter J.D. Souther. And Frey would hear Jackson working on this for his debut record in 71, but it wasn't finished in time. So he encouraged Jackson to let him finish it with him for the Eagles debut. Uh, It's in my opinion, I think that is so weird that both of them released it. Uh, That is weird. It's a little right. Yeah. It's like, I feel like it's a little like Jackson released this because this his came out after, um, the Eagles, I keep wanting to say the Eagles. I know it's just Eagles, but this came out after, and I just wonder if Jackson was butthurt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be like, it'd be like it would be like two people writing a joke together and one person doing it and going, <laughs> but we kind of collaborated on this, and you don't really sell it, and I have the better act out, and I make a fun of your face. That would be so weird if <laughs> two comics did that. <laughs> it would be weird. Um, thoughts on this song? Uh, take it easy because this is this is a banger. This is such a great song. I feel like everyone. Lo- How can you not like this song? It's so like the minute it started playing, I was just dancing to it. It's so relaxing. It it's it is an easy song. Like I, it's one of those songs I feel like everyone <laughs> just moves to. Don't yeah, you think? A, no, for sure. I mean, this yeah. is this is just this is just perfect. Like this is like a, a bowl of uh, mishmash. Do you know what I mean? Just like some noodles, some crepe locks, some some everything's in there, and it's so delicious. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I mean, this is it was a perfect way to open the record. Is there anything else, Morty? Yeah, well, actually, the bummer is so Jackson didn't have enough material for his second album, so he just went back and was like, you know, that big hit that that band just had, I'm gonna do it on my album, and his actually flopped. I mean, 
flopped considerably, but it was sort of a bummer. So the story about this one is although Jackson's car once broke down in Winslow, Arizona, the incident in the second verse with the girl in the Ford truck checking him out and everything actually took place on a corner in Flagstaff, Arizona, in front of a Derwiner schnitzel. And the girl was driving a Toyota, but, you know, try rhyming Toyota and Derwiner schnitzel. You know, even well, in the I 70s was driving in a Buick and the girl was in a Subaru and over there is a Kia. Um, these, these are the, these are the, I'm just going to prep you, Jessica. These are these interesting facts that Morty's going to bring that I don't understand. It's like, he's going to be like, I'm just letting you know, Glenn Fry uh, was wearing suspenders the day that he wrote this. And one of them was at a 45 degree angle. So I'm just giving you an idea. So important. So important. This has replaced my Hoff Torah in my head. <laughs> I had so- room. This is going to be the most Semitic episode we've ever done. Ever. Like already, we've had Mishmash, we've had ever. Torah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, let's talk about you, Jess, because you seem, I mean, I've known you for years. Uh, I'm one, can I say this just straight up? Like, I'm so happy that All Things Comedy and Bill Burr uh, gave you the opportunity for you to shine on Comedy Central. You are, and I mean this, one of the funniest people uh, on you, stage. God. I've only ever seen you crush, except for that one set where you, <laughs> you know, you got really racist. Uh, oh, no, she, she didn't, everybody. Up. She didn't. You can't joke about that in this. <laughs> Not today. Um, I know. But, what is happening? Oh, my I don't God. Know. I don't know. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But listen, man, bad timing and bad. Just make it funny. Please just be funny. I don't, that's the only thing. You I know. Can, there's certain words we cannot say and certain words we can't say right now. <clears throat> but that's that's besides the point. I just want to know because you create and perform so many unique characters. So when did you first realize you had that ability? Well, I really did. I mean, I, I, I hate even hearing myself say this because it sounds so corny, but I really did start doing characters and mimicking and imitating people when I was a kid, like from day one, I, 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 I was able to mimic. I would see people and be able to imitate them perfectly. And I, I had a talent for it. Um, and I would make my friends laugh. And my dad was like that too. Uh, I, I was, you know, he, he was, very funny. And he would watch someone and then just like, you know, make fun of them, not in a mean way, but like be able to imitate them. And I would crack up. And, uh, and I've always loved doing characters. And now again, like we're talking about, it's tricky because there's certain characters that I really can't do right now. Yeah, Um, It's hard because I love doing them and it's tough. It's tough because artistically I really it all comes from a good place and a, and a kind place. It's like, I just love acting out people 
Um, but I, I, I really um, become the person. And I think that, you know, sometimes when people do characters, they kind of half-ass it. But yeah. when you see people really commit, like old school Saturday Night Live, you know, like, like, you know, people that re- like Gilda Radner, people that really committed to them. It's the funniest thing. I mean, there's nothing funnier. Yeah. So then let me ask you a question going off what you said, because I knew you took some flack. Uh, I mean, it was like six, seven months ago. And, it was and I know and I've known you for years. I, I mean, there's a, a lot of people. But like, how do you feel like with what's going on in the world right now, the state of comedy will be changed, altered or the direction that it's probably going to go? Well, what happened was, is that um, a young comic in L.A. posted a video of me, a a character I did of a black woman um, from 2016. So it was from four years earlier, which when it was really okay, like there was no issue with me at that time doing that character. Yeah. Um, And she was actually making fun of Trump, this this character that I was doing, um, bashing Trump. And with no context, just said, this is racist. So people flipped out um, and I was attacked and I, I did get defensive because it was like, we're canceling you, say you're a racist, fuck you. You know, it was like I was swarmed, you know, the mob came for me and I freaked out. I mean, here it is. COVID happened. My father had just passed and my father died a year ago. I, I had, I was literally having like a breakdown. I, I couldn't even believe that I was being called this and that this, ha- and I was like, I got defensive and then um, people went crazy on me. And th- of course, you know, the whole entire com most of the 99.9% of the comedy community attacked everyone else and said, are you kidding? You're going after Jessica, one of the nicest people. She's fucking you know, 50 years old, she's a lesbian, she's heavy, she's a woman, she's a mother, like, this is ridiculous. She's, you're going after someone who's not, you know, she's not a straight white guy or whatever. Um, And it stopped basically after 24 hours, because then Nick Cannon, that happened the next day. That's how fast (laughs) it happened and then went away. I swear to God, not, it was like after that, I didn't hear one thing. Yeah. But a couple of comics turned on me and that was really, that pissed me off more than anything because they know me and they know that I'm a kind, loving person and I would never do something in a mean-spirited way. And I actually had stopped doing that character at that point. I hadn't done it in a long time because it didn't feel right to me. So what I'm, I think what I'm trying to say is I would never stop something if someone said to me, you have to stop doing that because it's racist. I won't stop doing it. But if I feel like it's not okay and it feels wrong to me and I feel like it's, it's not comfortable, it, it goes against who I am. I won't do it anymore. And that's happened a lot, especially lately because it doesn't feel right. It it feels wrong. And I know it's wrong. And it's not right for the time. It's too, you know, it's too sensitive right now. Or it, it, it it's not, it's going to portray me as something I'm not, and I don't want to be portrayed that way. So what my worry is is that I might go off on Twitter on something I see that I don't think is okay. And you know what? Someone may dig up something I said in the past or a character I did. It's it could it could happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's probably going to happen. Yeah. But I think comedy is changing a lot. There's two kinds of comedy now. There's there's the people who are going way 
I don't know what you call it. It's not right, right wing. It's like they're they're the edge. Like they are going really like you want to tell me what I can and can't say. I am going to say every single thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. There's a lot of that. You know, there. Wrong or against what society is telling me I should be saying, shouldn't be saying. Um, and then there's the ones who are going the complete opposite way and being overly cautious. And then there's a lot of us in the middle that are like, what the fuck should I do? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel, I feel stunted as an artist right now because, you know, I'm trying to stay true to myself, but I feel like a lot of times, no matter what I say, someone's taking it the wrong way. Like I, I'm, I literally talk about my own shit, like my own life and my own stories and people get offended. I'm like, it's my life. Why, yeah. How can you get offended by my story? This is, yeah. I'm talking about my own life. This has yeah. nothing to do with you. And they're still getting offended. There's the people that are just going to get offended because they're looking I know. at everything to get offended. I know. Uh, and, and there's, you know, it's, there's stuff that, you know, we grew up with and it's unfortunate because that was just, I mean, look at, I always say this revenge of the nerds was one of my favorite movies of all time. And there's yeah. a fucking rape scene in it. And it's like, and at one time you probably people saw it in the theater and they were like, yeah, the nerds having sex with the girl, even though she yeah. doesn't know that it's him. And, and, and you look back now and you're like, holy shit. Right. And it's just times change and people grow. And sometimes, you know, some people don't, but the ones that grow, it's like we just you you should be able to say, hey, that was a long time ago. This is who I am now. And just know that now I, I see the error in my ways in the past and accept that. But some people don't. Well, I I agree with Josh. I agree with you 100 percent with that. The yeah. people that say that is fucking ridiculous to look at things that we were OK with years ago and the how if society changes now, it's not OK. And you realize that. I mean, to not accept someone looking at themselves and changing and changing their views from something they did 25 years ago is so ridiculous to me as yeah. someone who's worked on myself and changed and gone to therapy my whole life. Like, who are you to say that someone hasn't changed or grown? I mean, it, it, it's really insane. Yeah, no, completely. It's, it's horrible. It, it is. Um, and that's kind of leads us into our next song. Because Witchy Woman, all right, let's get the facts out. Co-written uh, by Bernie uh, Ledin and Don Henley went to number nine. Uh, so Henley described it, uh, so, he described it as it's sort, sound of sort of like a Hollywood movie version of Indian music. Uh, he is not wrong. Play the intro. Can the Eagles be canceled because of this? Is this a cancelable? It's like I don't know. It's I'm not. I don't think it's bad. But I mean, this is like if they played this at a Washington football team game, people would get upset. Um, great. And song, he meant though. he meant Native American. Just for those listening, he didn't mean Indian is just sort of the operative term at that point. Still, see there it goes. They called it Indian up until you know seventies, eighties. Yep, that's true. Uh, Henley's a huge proponent of Native American, just so you know. I mean, he's a, a backer of, of all things. So, so they would you know. be canceled because that's in the song? 
I don't know. I, I mean, can't. I can't deal with this. I mean, I'm going to have to end up living <laughs> under a rock somewhere because I literally emotionally can't deal with any of this. No, How it's can not, you it's, even live if you're? I know. I mean, why can't that be in the song? No, it can. It, it can. But I mean, look, it's it's. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's bad, but I do think he went with a Native American vibe for it. And I mean, also, this is 1971. Right. That's the point. 72. 72. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's let's get to the positive about the song. Okay. Uh, play the woos because this gets stuck in my head. This I love these woos. That part, ghosts. <laughs> ghosts would hear that and be like, "All right, that's enough." Um, this is a great song. This this is the one that got stuck in my head uh, immediately. I had heard it before, but man, it, it's. I think this is just one of the true highlights of the record. Uh, thoughts on this, Jess? I love it too. It's so it's it's so sexy. I love this song. Yes. Woo! It's so it, it's. Really like this kind what this these songs by the Eagles are so relaxing. It just reminds me of a road trip, like just being in a car with a friend. You don't have to talk for hours. <laughs> just listen to this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Both people thinking about life and like just positive things. I don't know. I it's it's so relaxing to me. Well, let's let's talk about something positive right now because uh, you produced that new FX documentary, Hysterical, about the current state of female stand-up comedians. I I, I mean, because I was, but were you shocked that there hadn't been one made yet? Well, there have been a couple made, but this was different. I mean, of course, because we made it with FX, it we had a nice budget and it was done really well. Um, it was beautifully shot and edited great. It just, and I, I had a, I did have a very big part in the edit and the way, you know, the way it came out. Be- thank God. They, I was just saying this in an interview the other day, they really let me have a lot of feedback with it, which was great. Cause a lot of times, as you know, they don't let us say Ever. anything, but Ever. because I, if I had just been in it, I wouldn't have been able to say a word, but I executive produced it. And it, it was my idea. It's, you know, I was the one that pitched it to them and everything. And I said, from the get go, you have to let me have a huge say in this or else it's not going to come out. Okay. So I kept saying, you know, like, you know, we would get the edits and I'd say, you got to take this out. This looks horrible. You have to put better stand up in, you have to, you know, I kept telling them stuff and they listened. I was very lucky that they listened because all in all, it's the director's final say. Um, You can say all you want, but the director does have the final say. And she was amazing. And I'm really happy with the way it came out. And I'm working on another one now, which is even more fascinating. And that one is about female comics around the world. So for the past six months, I've been interviewing female comics in other countries on Zoom. It's unbelievable oh, that's like great. I, I interviewed the only female comic in jordan can you believe that it was, <laughs> it was crazy well i just comedy is is like i mean it's everywhere we all laugh and regardless of what country you're in but it's like 
there's like I can't name one German stand-up comic besides Flula. You know what I mean? There there's some are. cultures that just yeah. don't have that that cadence. The you know that the yeah. I'm gonna say chutzpah, but you know it's like I, I know yeah. that there's com- comedians all around the world, but it, it's in some countries. It's just it's not like is the scene in Jordan even big? Well, she's huge. She can't walk down the street without being like hundreds of people run and like try to touch her. It's crazy. She became huge on YouTube. Okay. That's how she became a star. And um, it's big in a lot of countries now. And in a lot of places, it's underground because they're not allowed to do it. So it's like these secretive shows. It's 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 so interesting. And in so many places, they're not allowed to talk about anything, religion, sex, the you know, the government, the royal family. I mean, they could literally put a, be in jail for the rest of their lives. That's why it's so hard here with the freedom of speech stuff, which I fully again, I could vomit at a lot of the comedy I see. And I guess hate it and i wish the people so you've seen my set you've seen my (laughs) set i love you i love your set but but i still believe that people have the right to say it and i still um believe in freedom of speech because even more so from interviewing these women because so many of them are not allowed to say anything in these countries and we take for granted what we're allowed to do here and say yeah we do yeah it's so, I mean, and it's big in some of these countries now, like even in, in like South Korea, like these random places where you would never think are getting big with comedy. I bet. Um, I actually doing a set in, uh, in, uh, Southeast Korea in, in three months. You are? Uh, no, God, no. I, oh. I, I can't even get booked in Idaho right now. <laughs> I mean, come on, I'm trying. All right, let's chug yes, all night. Can. I can. I can. I, dude, I'd kill it in Idaho. Uh, catch me on tour, joshadammyers.com backslash shows. Uh, nice. Thank you for this. Help me do the self-plug. All right, chug all night. This is the first upbeat song on the record. Uh, I, I think these lyrics kind of made me laugh a little bit. Um, just play it. 117. song uh, but these lyrics just mystified me i believe we could chug all night i believe we could hug all night um have you ever had an all-night hug uh, because he didn't specify if it was sex or not so which is i just i really want to know like what's the appropriate amount of time to hug somebody well josh of course i've had an all-night hug i've been with women for <laughs> 25 years is that what they do more than that so i've had many all-night hugs that have led to nothing but just hugging (laughs) and crying um do they start as back rubs in that community as well there's like that one there's but is there like back rub thing where they go hey can i just give you a back rub because that's how creepy fellows always started it in high school and i always thought that was just so hilarious um yeah There's back rubs. There's um, there's even, do you want me to play with your hair? I mean, there's all kinds of weird. Do you want me to rub your hand? Do you have any stress in your hand? Yeah, there's all weird stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to um, start doing, can I rub your hand? I've never done that. Yeah. With a, with a Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With a Subaru. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's a very uh, safe. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't love this song. I have to be honest with you. It's a little too upbeat and like, I don't know, I'm so dead inside. So it's like, I don't want to run. I just, I'm not, I like their, I like their more mellow stuff more. I, I, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, do you have any, since this is about chugging all night, do you have any wild, uh, like drunk loaded adventures? Oh my God. I mean, I drank myself silly, uh, for I hate I hate the taste of alcohol, but I I'm an addict, so I would always drink as much as I could till I yeah. threw up or shit myself. I mean, I you know you too chugged <laughs> and chugged. I know we talked about this, so yeah, um, yeah. I I I drank was- so much in college; it was insane. I mean, I do do the beer, but you know the funnels and just lay on oh, the yeah. ground. In 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 beer, just lay on the floor, just chugging and chugging and chugging. Um, I mean, I've talked about this in my special. I can't even believe I talked about this on Comedy Central, but I once drank so much when I was a teenager. Um, I went outside with my friends. It was during the day. I was 14 and my friend peed on my mother's lawn. We were all hysterically laughing. I drank two six packs in the middle of the day and I was 14 years old. And my fr- And I said, I have to shit. And my friend said, shit on your mother's lawn. We were annihilated. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to do it because they'll like me more. And I'm, you know what I'm saying? If I do this, I'm going to make more friends and I'm the class clown. And, and I did eventually during the day, I shit on my mother's lawn. And the next day, (laughs) my mom, (laughs) I was laying on my floor sick on a Sunday and my mom knocked on the door and I opened the door and she had, she had the dog by the collar and she screamed, I told you not to let the dog shit in front of the house. And she took both of us outside and put his nose in my shit. <laughs> and I'll never forget the way he looked at me. He was like, I didn't, this is not, he looked, literally looked, he was, looked so confused because he's like, I didn't eat Doritos and M&M. You know what I mean? He was like, this is not, Jeremiah's dying laughing. <laughs> More he also knew you were pre-diabetic. That's the thing, though. Right. He could tell. Yeah, yeah. And he also was like, I don't eat pussy. <laughs> Just chase it. Yeah. Uh, is, there, is there anything to add, Morty? Yep. Speaking of chugging, Glenn Johns had a strict no booze and no drug policy while making the record, much to Glenn's dismay, who did this song. You have to remember, Glenn's from Michigan, Detroit, Michigan, and he grew up as a teenager playing with Bob Seger. So chugging all night and all that stuff. That's a real like Midwest rock and roll. You know what I mean? Being a teenager and rock bands coming out here, you know, he really pushed, you know, they, he really, he and Don really wanted this to be a rock and roll band, you know? So they fought with Glenn John's idea that he wanted to bring in, you know, Bernie's banjo playing and stuff and make it this kind of country rock thing. So there was a lot of that, you know, fighting against it to make it a rock band, as you see on this song. Were, were, were the Eagles known as a big party band? Oh, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't get a private jet in the 70s without literally not needing a private jet to fly. That's like how it worked. Like it was like cocaine express yeah. in that era. I mean, it was endemic of its era anyway. But Fleetwood Mac, Eagles, Zeppelin, you know, it was just, a. It, you know, it, we didn't have a just say no culture. And remember that. The pill had been started, so there was basically no guilt sex. And then 
drugs. People didn't see the complete sort of breakdown of our society the way they did. And there was no AIDS. There was no crack yet. I mean, people freebase, but there was no oh crack God, yet. An amazing life. Yeah. So they caught, we literally, like Jessica, our age are the people that paid the penance for, you know, Plato's retreat and Studio 54 and everything that we saw. We grew up going, I can't wait till we have that. And they were like, just say no, Nancy Reagan, AIDS. Enjoy your teen years. <laughs> that, was, that was literally my teen years. It was like, here, don't do anything and everybody will give you everything. Not mine. We were doing it all oh, for yeah. the nookie. Were we were fucking. We were, pants. We, were, we were Woodstock 99, dude. Which actually a lot of bad stuff happened there. So actually, you know, yeah, never forget true. Woodstock 99. But, you know, me watching it at home in Germantown, taking bong hits and LSD and Molly. I mean, well, ecstasy back then. A lot of fun. Ah, uh, 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 you know what? Let's let's just. I'll be in New York uh, tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow, Monday. Well, let's they do told that. me you're coming. I got to see you and talk and hang out. I'm I'm so in. I'll be there. I'll be there until the end of June. So oh, I'll good. Bring, I'll bring the Molly. You bring I, the shit. I the <laughs> shit. Oh my god. Yes, we will. Uh, you're you're gonna hang out. You can come to yeah, the. Yeah, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be there. Upper East Side, uh, and possibly Brooklyn for a little bit. But I'm. But I'm. Yeah, man. I, I want to move there, but I just I'm too afraid. I like LA weather a little too much. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. But you know what also I like? And you like, because it's you like the sad shit, Most of us are sad. This is my favorite song on the record, uh, written by Glenn, but beautifully sung by Randy Meisner. Uh, This melancholy and poignant country ballad is all about hiding feelings and perseverance. Best song on the record. This is the best moment. Uh, Go ahead and play it. My money, Don Henley. I love you. Even though it's not Henley. I I don't care. Okay, just here. You just give Don Henley your money. Little bird, a ski badoo. There's a ski badoo. And most of us are sad too. He sang that in End of Innocence, right? It's a lyric. Always. That's just his running theme. What What do you think about this, Jess? Because you said this is the stuff that you like. 
Yeah, I love songs like this. I'm a very depressed person. No matter what I do, I'll never be okay. So I love listening to this kind of music. I mean, I could just sit and listen to this over and over and over again. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, because we all have one. And Morty, I'm going to ask you too. Uh, first of you, Jess, what is your go-to cry song? <sighs> you got to get when, it out. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's probably Fleetwood Mac. What song um, by them? Maybe Lance. Don't stop thinking <laughs> about imagine? tomorrow. Like, that's your cry song. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> when they bring the marching band out at their concert. Oh Silver so, Springs. I mean, I Journey. I cry to Journey a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a lot to cry about. I've been, definitely... I've been, no, I've been like, yeah. I mean, I... I'm very attached to like Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks. That's my, yeah, I get emotional yeah. from a lot of their music. She's your witchy woman. Yeah, she is. She's my, I mean, I'm, I love, love her. She's so great. Morty, uh, what, what's your cry song? I have two. <laughs> the, the, the theme, mu- I can't even think about it right now. The theme music from Terms of Endearment uh, fucking slays me. I just hear that piano score and I just get like, I know this. Yeah. I know this. It like creeps up my neck. But the one that kills me is a Tom Waits song called Kentucky Avenue. If you Kentucky guys don't know it, it's Avenue. on. No, it's on. A, it's on. Kentucky. It's on. A, uh, it's on Blue Valentine. And it's just it's just he's recalling things of like a kid. It's like a kid talking to another kid. Oh, wow. And he's just talking about stuff in his neighborhood. But then he gets to the end of it and he talks about I'll take the spokes off your wheelchair and make it into wings. And it just becomes like this evocative you know, depression era thing of a kid and another kid who's in a wheelchair or something. I just get like torn up about it. If you guys haven't heard that, you just kind of go through it and it's just two kids talking well, about, you know, yeah. It's, it, but by the end of it, when he says, I'll take the spokes off your wings, I'll, you know, spokes off your wheelchair, I'll make them into wings and we'll fly down to New Orleans. And it's just, you know, kids talking and that stuff just tears. It's like stand by me or something made into yeah, a yeah, song, dude. man. I am one hundred percent always. Every time I listen to it, uh, Vincent by Don McLean. Oh, that part, dude. When he says the, you know, it's too beautiful you for took this your world. life as lovers often do, but I could have told you, Vincent, but the world was never meant for one as beautiful as you. Oh my God, I'm gonna cry now. Ecstasy to this in like 10 minutes. Do you see how quick we move? <laughs> so great. They should make agony so the come down is just a big dick stiffener. That is so funny. You know, I took seven hits of agony. How do you feel today? Fantastic! Everything's better than what I just came through. That's just my life. Agony. Yeah. God Three. bless it. Nothing better than a good cry. He's been around for seven hours like this. All right, Nightingale. Uh, it's an okay song. You know, uh, is there anything important? Yeah, well, the interesting thing about this one is Don Henley only sings two songs on this record. Witchy Woman was the only, it's it's sort of started his professional career as a songwriter, but he only sang one song. And then when he got back to LA, they tried to do this song. This is a Jackson Brown song. And 
after is they Jackson had, giving all of his music to them? Well, because Jackson, you know, we talked about this on the three Jackson Brown episodes, but, you know, he was an incredible songwriter at a very young age and people were covering his stuff and just having huge hits with it. And so he had this one. They, they went to England when they did this with Glenn Johns. They couldn't get the song. So when they got back to L.A., Geffen, who owned, you know, their record company, Asylum, was like, okay, you guys need to do this song. They kind of went behind Glenn's back to get them to do this because they were like, we need another Don Henley song on this record. He's got an incredible voice and he's not properly, you know, showcased. So they get back. He doesn't really get, you know, he, they don't really, it doesn't, they, they record it. It doesn't sound like the rest of the record for that reason, that it sort of doesn't, it, it just doesn't fit with the rest of the record. Seeming, nobody really knows this song, which is weird because it's the only other Henley song on this record. But, you know, it's not it's not bad. It's just doesn't really fit in on the record. But, hey, if you like a, a Henley voice, this is a second one of him at this era in 72. This is let me just tell you, everybody, if you haven't listened to the other episodes of of the Jackson Brown albums uh, that we've done on here. I mean, go and listen to him, because if it's just like he's a name that you just keep hearing throughout. He's amazing. Just, just amazing. Yeah, and like lyric, the nicest guy, too. Like yeah. I've hung out with him a few times because I'm friends with uh, a good friend of his, and just the sweetest dude ever. Do not use a plastic bottle around him; he will, he will like give you the eyeball. Like I mean, it can't even be really? in the function. We did a, I went to Nam, and in the green room we were all hanging out. Like uh, there was just like I was like oh, I was like, can I get some water? And there was just like you, like paper cups, and I was like I made a joke about it. And somebody was like, yeah, don't say that. Just. Uh, <laughs> Keep it hell. You don't want Jackson to hear you. Uh, you know, just know these are recyclable and it's good for us. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's good for us. <laughs> it's good for us. Just let us you know. Um, all right, let's let's move on. Uh, the train leaves here this morning. This kind of sounds like a Grateful Dead song. Great harmonies. She signed me to a contract, baby. Said it would all be so live long. This is, uh, you know what this is? This is, uh, this is Sideburns clog music. Yes. <laughs> it is. And it reminds me of the dead. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Morty, you got anything? Yeah, there's two quick things. So Witchy Woman, Bernie Ledden, uh, was in the Flying Burrito Brothers. We did the Graham Parsons episode. So he wrote the lick for Witchy Woman while he was in the Graham Parsons, while he was in Flying Burrito Brothers with Graham Parsons. This one he actually wrote, he was in a, he was in a band with Gene Clark, who was formerly in The Birds. And he wrote this one and they performed it with Dillard and Clark, the band that he was in prior to the Eagles, prior to Eagles. So, you know, his his country bona fides are there. So Bernie Ledden, like I said, Glenn really wanted to showcase this type of material for this album, you know, but the harmonies on these things are, you know, I mean, really, that's the that this is this is Eagle's strength is really what got Glenn to, to work with the band, because otherwise they were kind of just a band made up of you know, kind of four disparate fellas. Yeah. But yeah, you listen to this. It's perfect. Um, I want to, I want to skip to early bird because the intro listening to this, it's almost like perfect uh, casting, having you on the podcast for the opening, play the intro to early bird. It's birds. <laughs> this is like, this is right up your alley. You no, this is, Jess, you have a character. You have like, doesn't you have a podcast? 
Don't. I think I just had a nervous breakdown, but literally my eyes are twitching. That is so crazy. That birds. Yes, I have a podcast called The Disgusting Hawk. Yeah. That sounds like a, a bird on crack. That what that literally was crazy. But I love the music right after that. It's it's probably love the it. noise. It's probably the noises they heard like right when they were waking up after a, you know not waking up but like as the sun's coming up from a cocaine binge, getting on their <laughs> private jet. Um, I'm gonna read this one because this the chirping bird on the intro and outro come from a sound effects library uh, record. And despite Don thinking it was corny, Bernie and Randy got final say on their song. Um, yeah. I, I just think that is. Uh, I wonder that if they're what was so hard. Like if you really don't want it in there, and they're like, "Nope, has to go in." <laughs> but I, but I, but I wonder if it was like they were like originally trying to pitch. No, we should use this one, the one that's more like, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, it's a little too aggressive." How about some tweets? Okay, I'll go with that. Um, I like how you. I like how you asked if they did drugs. That's no, my favorite part. <laughs> I should have just played this the intro of this song. Did they do drugs? Listen to this. Oh, oh <laughs> a lot of them. All of them. Yeah. All right. Let's get to peaceful, easy feeling. So uh, this third single went to number 22. It was written by Glenn's friend, uh, Jack Tempchin. Did I say that right? Yeah. Nice. Uh, so the band had been together for about a week when Glenn brought in this song that he heard Jack play at Jackson Brown's house. Dude, JB. Uh, they must have known. They must have known immediately how great this was, uh, because I, 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 I was thinking to myself. I was listening to this after I read that. I was like, I was like, I wonder if anybody was kind of like, yeah, no. And I mean, you know, I mean, keep keep pitching, because this is like, it's such an incredible song, inspired by trying and failing to attract a waitress after a gig. Jack learned that part of the idea is when you give up looking for something. A lot of times. That's when you find it. Cause I get a peaceful, easy feeling. And I know you won't let me down. I love it. It's one of my favorite songs on the album. I think it's great. And I love that what you just said. It's so true. I live my life by that. Letting go. When you let go, things happen. That's what have you ever through. have you ever had a moment where that happened, where you were just like, you yes, know, it happens in my career all the time. Whenever I'm trying, you know, I mean, it's happened in so many ways, even with relationships. You know, when you're constantly looking for someone and it doesn't happen, and you know, when you just stop and say, if you, if it's meant to come to me, it will. And then all of a sudden, you meet someone. Or with my career, when I'm when I'm so on it and so crazy and oh nothing's happening and I'm obsessing and then I, I let go and just concentrate on my art and have fun with my stand-up and then all of a sudden in the next week or two I get a call about something it's always the case always always say with dating especially with dating yes. when you're looking for somebody you're never going to find it and then somebody told me they were like Josh you know if you if you keep saying you want a girlfriend or you want to meet somebody you're, you're never going to meet it because that's the energy you're putting out into the world. Yes. And then the second you go, you know what? I'm, I'm whole, perfect, and complete. It doesn't make a difference. And then next thing you know, you're going on like five riot dates and you're like, I, wait, wait, this just from that that one feeling? So and true. Peaceful, and it's easy. This is such a great song. Uh, you can see why this is one of their hits. Um, Morty, is there anything to add? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Temption would go on to co-write Already Gone, which you guys know 
as well, because that's another one of their huge ones. And then he also wrote with Glenn Fry, a You Belong to the City and Smuggler's Blues. So he stayed in the uh, in the Eagles and the Glenn Fry camp for a while. If you guys watch Miami Vice, you'll know those very well because those were sort of huge, you know, huge songs that ended up on the episode when Glenn was an actor for that for that part of that. Glenn was on Miami Vice? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he really? started getting into that. People wore a lot of turquoise. It was a big thing, man. There's a lot of linens going on in the early 80s. I mean, that's your time, dude. That's when you It was guys... my time. It was my time. Yeah, was I did not have one coat arm that wasn't pulled up to my elbow everywhere. It looked like I worked in a fish market in a tuxedo. Morty, you've had like so many different like eras and like genres of clothing that I've seen you wear because you're like, you were born in what, like the late sixties, right? Yes. You're born in the late sixties. So you, I've seen you with butterfly collars. I've seen you in eighties, you know, uh, Kuju Jaja outfits. I've seen you. Kaja Gugu. Kaja Gugu. (laughs) I knew what I was talking about. Everybody knew what I was talking about. (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. And I've seen you in grunge era. I've seen you in, in, you've just this evolved. is the guy that wore angel wings and painted his face and went to rave in Jenko pants that looked like a skirt he was going to like a bat mitzvah with pants that went down to your ankles Not that me, looked but, like but they were like was, this I have I have like two do two like I mean literally it was it was you know child clothing which you can't really dress yourself so then you get into rock and that was like late 80s early 90s and I rocked that until I became a raver and that only lasted 2 years and then I went right back to grunge and 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 rock clothing rock clothing the one and thing now, you missed now the I dress three like, and now I and now I dress like a Mumford and Son it so, is true so I'm fine you with just all that you just look like somebody who says hey all the time hey that's you just with a banjo in the back on <laughs> hey that's you um, all right, final song on the record, trying. Uh it's rocking. Randy Meisner ends the record on a high note. Um go ahead and play it. And it's the only way to live. You gotta take it, you gotta give. If you mistake it, just try give. And I'm trying. Yeah. Uh, great song to end the record with. Um thoughts on this i like this song it's upbeat but not like annoying to me i I like it (laughs) i like it it is a great song to end it on it's positive it's upbeat i like i do yeah uh morty is there anything yeah well the ending there's a little moment at the end there's like a little vocal bridge thing which is a homage to you can't always get what you want by the stones if you actually listen to it a little bit, it's just like for like a few seconds near the end of the song. So speaking of trying though, Meisner's later, he sang the lead on their first million seller, take it to the limit. So it took that long for them to have their first million seller, but you know, and everybody knows he quit the band because of that one big note at the end of the song that he would get stage fright. He would literally get spilkas about going on stage and hitting that big falsetto note. And he started, it started really fucking with him. So he he basically quit the band because the band was like, come on, dude, you got to sing it at the end. If you watch, by the way, watch the Eagles documentary because it's fantastic. It's long, but it's fantastic. I mean, he's up there. He's Mariah carrying it. But I mean, it's, it's, you know, when you've got that pressure on you. Couldn't they have pre-recorded that and just like kept him in the band and just played it? And he could yeah, well, it? His People whole life would have been different. I know. <laughs> you could have come on. You could have been like, couldn't he just like just mouth it? 
Just yeah, we never would have gotten Timothy B. Schmidt then. And then we wouldn't have got I Can't Tell You Why. Yeah. And with the gorgeous hair. Have you seen the hair on that guy? Oh, what hair? You just sound like Seriously. your grandmother. Oh, what hair? That's, give me two years, I'll look like your grandmother. George. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. All right, let's do some facts and get out of here. Go ahead. Okay, after signing the band, David Geffen sent them to Aspen, Colorado to develop and hone their sound. But they didn't have a name yet at that point, so they performed locally as Teen King and the Emergencies. Great name. Especially when you hear about Don Henley's later travel, <laughs> the stuff that happened to him after, uh, after Eagles broke up, which we talked about on the Henley episode with Alan Tudyk. Eagles. Eagles is 10 times better from, than Teen King and the Emergencies. Do you think they'd be the same band if that was the name they went with? No. All right, guys. And it's I don't even think one. they'd be out of jail. <laughs> it's another one from Teen King and the Emergencies. Take it! Ah! Actually, that would work. Maybe that would work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what else you got? Okay, they actually got their name. Okay, so, so a bunch of people try to take credit for it. They've said Bernie Ledden got it. Steve Martin, who was a friend of the band's from the Troubadour era, said he actually came up with the name. But a lot of people agree that Glenn came up with it. So what happens? The band, they would all go to the Mojave Desert. They go in campouts and they take peyote and, or straight mescaline. They drink tequila. They get loaded. And Glenn says at one point he looked up and an eagle flew right over him. And so he just kind of went eagle and so that sort of uh, it might be a bit apocryphal or might have been another one of these adventures because they did this a lot but that said that they knew they were on the right track because either they'd already had the name or they just kind of went you know he went oh yeah that's a sign that's an omen but you got to think they could have been cacti they could have been succulent well they were succulent but they could have been you know the actual plant jess have you ever had a sign like that that kind of put you on it give it to me so I actually, after I, this is crazy after when all this happened with COVID and my dad passed away, I went to this place in Florida to do like, um, self-help shit, you know, like breath work and yoga and eye movement stuff. Like, I just was like, not happy. I just was like, I'm not going to work. I'm going to go away and do some work, like work on myself. And I was torn about it. And I was like, should I do it? Should I not? But I did. And I went there and uh, I had just started the Disgusting Hawk podcast. And I showed up at this. It reminded me of the Eagle thing because this is hilarious. I showed up at this place. I walked up to the front door and um, a hawk flew up and and landed with it in my eye. I had never seen a hawk before. And it just flew up and like just perched itself about, I don't know, 30 feet from me or something. It was crazy. Cause the woman's like, that's a hawk. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I've never even seen a hawk before. And I was sitting there doing this thing with her and I was so panicked about my career and just comedy. You know, I'm sure you went through this. I was freaking yeah, out. We all like were. the whole year was canceled. I, I had no idea if I was going to even do stand up or where or when. And I was freaking out about money. 
And my manager called and was like, your sitcom deal went through your pilot deal. And I was so torn about going to this place and doing this work and taking time off. And it just was weird. I got so many signs while I was there and made a decision to do this work on myself. And anyway, the Eagle thing really reminded me of when I saw that Hawk, it was crazy. Oh, that's, that's so insane. It was weird. Man. That is weird. The, the, the universe, the universe. Give yeah. Me little, little, give me little doodads. Uh, Morty, what else you got? Okay, so in 1999, there was a mural painted on a building on the corner of 2nd Street and Kinsley Avenue in Winslow, Arizona. It's a reflection in a window of a blonde woman in a bright red Ford flatbed truck looking at whoever is standing right there on the corner. Uh, The area was named Standing on the Corner Park. And on September 24th of 2016, which is about six months after Glenn Fry passed away, a life-size bronze statue of Glenn Fry was added to the park to honor his song-rated contributions to Take It Easy. So if you're in uh, if you're in uh, Winslow, Arizona, you can actually go there and just stand right there on the corner next to Glenn. And, How far uh, away is that from Phoenix? Because I'll be in Arizona this weekend. Which, when this comes out, it'll be the next week, the weekend that just passed. I, I'm but... from Hollywood. I don't know a mile. What do I know from? I can't even tell you which freeways. I can tell you where San Dimas is by where the ten and the two ten meet. Anything other than that, I'm completely out of it. Well, this is the thing about Arizona is that it's all like Scottsdale and Phoenix are so close to one one another. It's like it's really like everything's jumped, like bunched up. And then the rest of it is like, you know, middle of all the Arizona fleet, all the Arizonian fleece army people right now are going, you schmuck. It's like 400 miles away. And we're like, yeah, you know, San Francisco, Vegas, whatever. You know, it's like on the street. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's all the boroughs. Are you on the road a lot now, Josh? Ish, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've got I got a bunch of dates, like finally, but they've all been canceled and rescheduled and canceled yeah, and rescheduled. And so, I at a certain point, I was just like, you know what, just just move them until like late summer. And I mean, it's it's all opening now. It's yeah. all like it's it's like the red states have already been open, and now like all like the big blue states are starting to really come around. Like California is going to be completely open by the time I come back from from New York. Mm-hmm. And New York, I mean, it's you know I'm I'm book solid, so yeah. it, it, it's exciting. I mean, listen, we I think we did it right. Uh, you know, certain areas, I think certain areas, we have no idea how they did it because they're not telling everybody. Uh, Florida, um, but. Uh, you know, it's there's there is nothing better. I'm so excited to to just get back out there. It's you know, you know it. It's like there's nothing better. Like there's nothing better than performing, but there's nothing better than be able to have your hour to like lay out your yeah. pacing and not have to. Oh, I gotta go from this joke to this joke to, yeah. this, to not do a showcase set to just be able yeah. to like do you. And so I couldn't be more excited. So come see me, everybody. A lot of Canada dates too, which I have no idea if I'll be able to quarantine for two weeks. I don't even know the rules. What about you? Are you going out a lot? I am. Yeah. I'm uh I'm going to Austin this weekend and then I'm in Bridgeport next week and I have a bunch of dates coming up and I'm ready. I I've been on the road a little already and it's been nice. I yeah. love the long sets, being able to just play and um and I like being, you know, I love to travel and it's all, all for us, you know, being home, it's been hard. Yeah. Been hard. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's I, you know, I'm keep thinking to myself, it's like, what's going to happen in like five years when it's all back to normal or, you know, and I mean, are we going to like look back at this and be like, Hey, you remember, you remember COVID or are we just going to completely forget? Oh no, We're going to remember this is going to affect us 
I mean, even like with my kids, I mean, their life is different now. Yeah. They're different. Like I have a 14, almost 15 year old. And I was talking to my friend about it yesterday. Her whole experience with her friends is on the phone. Like there's no, she doesn't mm. hang out with her friends. It's weird. It's like she's a teenager. Yeah. She's in ninth grade. So it's like weird. Like even with boys and with, you know, their whole interaction is on FaceTime or on TikTok or it's so crazy. Can you, you know, uh, don't you just, don't, and I'm not to say that it's, it didn't affect us as well, but it's like, I do feel very lucky. I think all of us could say this, how yeah. that we've already, we didn't miss, like, could you imagine being 16 years old no. when you're, when you're supposed to be getting drunk with your friends, learning about girls and girls yeah. learning about guys and, and, and dry humping. And, and that's like, yeah. you're so excited about prom stuff like that and to have that all go away it it's yeah, like she's oh like my. i like this boy he likes me and i'm and she's like but i haven't met him like they they only know each other from the phone yeah so yeah. weird it is weird it is yeah. weird uh all right last one morty all right here we go so country star travis tritz uh he only agreed to make a video for his cover of take it easy for the 1993 eagles country tribute album if the entire band would appear in the video and uh, they all did. They did the video. And pretty much because of that, they broke their 14-year hiatus and they got back together, which became their big, you know, Hell Freezes Over tour, which is the reason we talked about the Smiths getting back together. I'm saying, listen, if Guns N' Roses can do it and Eagles can do it, you know, and those people sold shitloads of records. You know, the Smiths, who sold like 75 records, can definitely see through at least two of them. Johnny and, you know, and Morrissey can get back together and do Coachella once just so Josh and I can go in the front row. <laughs> I would with love Rosenbaum. To, I would love to see Eagles. I, I remember when Hell Freezes Over came out and they did uh, Hotel California. And I don't know who's the, is it Joe Walsh that's playing the finger picking guitar solo and he does that like, vring, he does that. Yeah, like they both weird... do it. Don Felder uh, wrote the music part of it, the the verse, the verse part of it. He's not in the band yet, obviously at this point. You know, everybody has to remember this is only a four piece. Most people when they think of Eagles, I think of like nine fucking country dude standing on a stage. Yeah. Eagles were only a four piece at this point. You know, wow. everybody sang and they were just four Schmendrick standing on stage in dungarees. <laughs> Marty is, you know is what I mean? more Yiddish today. I listen, you know what? I took ecstasy. You took a, Molly. You tell no, me what sounds took, more I Jewish. Took yes. I took ecstasy. I took ecstasy. Somebody I, looked at Molly ecstasy I and was like, now. Molly, I somebody, take looked, now. somebody looked at ecstasy and went, how do I make this more Jewish? Let's call it Molly. Tom to Molly. All right, now I don't even understand that version of Yiddish. Yeah, That's... well, Lenny Bruce would have, Lenny Bruce would appreciate it. And by yep. the way, shout out! It would have been George Carlin's 84th birthday. Speaking wow. of people that aren't Jewish, uh... speaking of people that aren't Jewish that have motivated me. Um, all right, rapid fire questions. Uh, favorite song on the record? What's the first one you played? Take it easy. Yeah, I think that's my favorite. Take it easy. Okay. All right, least favorite song on the record? I don't remember the names. Probably Chug All Night. I think yeah, that's the one. The one, that one fast one that I didn't like. Chug All Night. Chug All Night. Okay. Uh, what song on this record would you fuck to? Chug All Night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> In my kind of hate fucker. All right. Going off of that, Mary Fuck Kill, Glenn Fry, Don Henley, Joe Walsh. Oh, my God. I would fuck Don Henley. 
I like she went with fuck just, first. That's my just, favorite. Can, I'm a lesbian. Can we just, here's who no, I fuck stop. first. Can we wow. just can stop? Can we just clip out her saying, "I would fuck Don Henley." And this, I want that to be a reoccurring drop on this show. Okay, get that one. Yeah, keep keep saying that. I would kill kill Glenn Fry. Okay. Well, wouldn't take long. And I would marry Joe Walsh. Okay. All right. There you go. He's a sweetheart. Yeah. Sweetest man. Great finger. Glenn Fry, I can't. I don't know what it is. I just can't deal with it. Yeah. Wasn't he in Jerry Maguire? Yeah, he was. <laughs> okay, yeah, played an agent, I believe. I know, it's yeah. interesting I started with the fuck one, but I'm horny. <laughs> I believe it. Take it I easy. Would... Take it easy. <laughs> Listen, don't worry. You'll chug all night. Uh... <laughs> There's no way when they wrote that song, they didn't sing fuck all night and fuck all night. And then they went in and recorded it and went, Damn all right, we just got to change it. I thought that. Last question. Last question. Uh, does this record deserve to be on the 500 greatest albums list? And is it ranked accordingly? I think it, I think it's ranked accordingly. Yeah. But what, why do you, and do you think it deserves to be on the, on the list? Oh boy. Yes. I do think it deserves to be on the list because I think they're amazing. I mean, that this is real music, amazing musicians, like, for the most part, I love the songwriting and I love most of the songs. I mean, there's a couple I don't like, I'm not, you know, like in I don't love with. Yeah. Right. But I think most of it is incredible. Uh, I, once I've, once think? I've, I, well, once I've, you know, being that we've been doing this for almost three years um, mm. and I've heard so many different records, you know, the, the hits that are on this, I think are why this record is on the list. I, there's a lot of songs on it. I'm like, yeah. You know, it's not, I wouldn't call this a perfect record, uh, but I would say that the hits outweigh the ones that are, right. that are okay. And, uh, and I'm glad, I'm glad I listened to it. I mean, it's, you know, it's a vibe and I think kind of with what's going on in the world, you know, it definitely sets a mood and has put me in a good mood. And so for that, I get it. And, uh, but I couldn't imagine what this was like. I mean, this, this must've changed California rock when this came out, not California rock. There was no California. This was California rock, right? It merged, you know, it really it really crystallized what had already started happening, but it really started crystallizing what had already happened. And, you know, it, and, it, and it really put together this this it coalesced what was sort of already going on in the Troubadour, but put it all in one place. And it's ironic because none of the fellows are from California. <laughs> like That's funny. four guys who are transplants who put this thing together and are known forever as the Southern California rock sound. Thank you, Glenn Fry, Don Henley and. Deacon Fry. Is Deacon Fry? No, this is yeah, he's now about. he's taken over. He and uh, oh my god, I blanked out. What's the uh, Vince Gill? Vince Gill. He they took over for Glenn Fry. It took two guys to take over, but apparently, but you know, he looks a lot like his dad. Deacon looks a lot like his dad, and he sounds like him. So, I mean, Eagles were supposed to be touring. They, I mean, I would go see them. You know, yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I think it'll fill in for that. And everybody, Joe Walsh is still amazing. You know, Timothy B. Schmidt's still amazing. Henley's still amazing. Yeah, it's a great band. Ah, uh, we'll go see him. Maybe I'll go see him. They play, they play you know, thousand dollars a ticket. Not going to see him. Never, I'm definitely never. not going to see him. I'll not stand in the parking lot I and sell could Molly. Give a shit. If it's a thousand bucks, you can go yeah. fuck yourself, Eagles. You got yeah. enough money. That's a little, little too much. I'll go see an Eagles cover band and be just as happy. And yeah, you know they're actually I mean? called the the Eagles. Or the, the, Eagles. Is the cover band. Um, this was great. Jess, anything you want to promote, go ahead. 
Yeah, people can go to my website, jessicakerson.com. I have a bunch of dates coming up and watch my podcast, Disgusting Hawk. It's on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. You'll love it. I do characters and interview comics. Josh, I have to get you on. I, I yes. need to interview you. I'm in. I just, I'm 100% yeah. in. Yeah, my I've days had, are my days are open in Manhattan. Awesome. I, yeah, I, I so. interviewed Mark Norman and Big J and Soder, a ton of people. It's it's great. I'm it's, in. It's, it's silly and fun. Oh, I no. need that. Trust me. Uh, Morty, what do you got? Yes, I'm a DJ Morty Coil on Twitter, also on Clubhouse. If you're there, Android users are now on there, which is now Clubhouse is dying. Pro. By the way, big article about how Clubhouse is dying, and I they let the Android I... they let the Androids in, and now it's just like it's, it's I used to be restricted, and now it's, it's the club, and now it, I don't want to be a member. It no, is no. dying. Um, <laughs> go to uh, on Instagram, be and Daddy Cartoons. Me singing with my daughter, sing with your kids if you're out there, and uh, I want to give a shout out to one. One of our fleece uh, army people, Chelsea, who is at don't look at me 92. She's incredibly funny. I don't know That's anything about her other than reading her tweets. I've hung out with her. Really I've hung out with her at Gas Digital. She's a big, she's, she's a big Legion of Skanks fan, big Bonfire fan, uh, Chelsea. Uh, she came out to see me in Minnesota. And, I love and a big shout out today, uh, the Go-Go's. Have to say this because we did their episode. Oh. They are the first. They Today they got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Tina Turner did also as a solo artist, but the Go-Go's needed to be in there. They are the only all-female band to have written and, uh, yes. and performed their own number one album still to this day the and, only all-female outfit and they deserve and they to be in could long do overdue. coke with the best of them they all could them. party harder than any billy idol's hair fall dude i'm serious like jess i don't know if you know this but fucking they party dude no i it's, didn't know that oh my god and their music's good like yeah it's, <laughs> i like it secondary <laughs> and they did some tunes <laughs> yeah I mean, it's pretty uh, good but but here's the thing though the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a complete and utter joke to put Foo Fighters in before Rage Against the Machine and Devo. It's I a know. joke. It's I a know. joke. Well, neither of them. Here's the thing. Neither of them. It, it, we can get in this forever. That there are millions of the monkeys deserve to be in before I, every one of them for the I amount know. of records and sold. But you know, listen. It's it's not. It should have just been called the Popular Music Hall of Fame. You know, Jay Z and LL Cool J just got in. But, you know, there are bands out there like Jethro Tull or whatever oh my you know, God. who aren't, you know, and it's just, you know, put rock and roll in if you got to call the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or just make it the popular music awards and let everybody get it. Yeah. You know, I'm not not knocking anybody. No, I, yeah. you're right. You're completely right. Yeah. Uh, JT, got anything? JT underscore podcast exec on Instagram and Twitter. And next chapter podcast is at NC podcasts or ncpodcast.com for the Shakespeare, Macbeth, everything we're doing with Rex Chapman's show. You can find it all there. Mm -hmm. uh, Jess, I love you. Thank you so much. I love Rose. you too. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you, Jess. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Jessica Curson. Follow her on all social media at Jessica Curson. That's J-E-S-S-I-C-A-K-R-I. -S -S Wait. At J-E-S-S-I-C-A-K-I-R-S-O-N. And watch Hysterical on FX and listen to her podcast, Disgusting Hawk, and check her out on the road. Like I said, one of the funniest people working today. Wear your clogs, everybody. Grow your sideburns and wear your clogs. All right, for new music, we just listened to the Eagles from 1972. For new music, we got Fairground Saints. They are Santa Barbara born, a Nashville-based three-piece that Rolling Stone called one of the 10 country and Americana artists you need to know. 
and you're listening to their song somewhere down the line and check them out. And if you're in a band and you want your music featured on the 500s, send us your fucking song to 500podcasts at gmail.com. Put the artist that influenced you in the subject line so we can get it on the right episode. Next week, I want you to put on your cone titties because it's Madonna week and we're going deep into her 1998 record, Ray of Light. You got homework to do. If you haven't listened, listen to the album. Stay fleecy, y'all. Oh, yeah. Do it, baby. Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. 
Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table. Featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics, they all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Next Chapter Podcasts.